0: Welcome to episode 15 of the Mia Sun Road podcast. We are here to discuss the beginning of the Rückrunde. Bayern headed into the winter break, 11 points up atop the Bundesliga table, but came into the Rückrunde knowing they would need a victory at Bayerina. The last coming in Hankus's treble season and now to get an even bigger head start on the back end joining me here today is a dear friend eric bruel of the never never and podcast family
1: <laughs> hey, Aaron, we're just
0: gonna keep it right here and say hello <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs>
1: this is awesome we've uh, yeah do, uh, fantastically well um definitely <laughs> great to talk to you uh, as our laughter i think indicates and um yeah i'm happy to be here happy to discuss this game although obviously it didn't turn out quite the way uh by Leverkusen fans would have hoped
0: uh just just uh I think pretty much everybody knows what I've gone through, but... I had ankle surgery a few days ago, so I've been kind of not walking and sitting in a chair and trying to figure out how to approach this. But Eric has been kind enough to come on the podcast with me and to discuss the Leverkusen match and uh, a little bit of winter transfer stuff and how we're all feeling about everything. Again, Eric, thank you so very much.
1: Oh, no problem. It's, it's because you said you're going to send me your Percocets from the surgery. So <laughs> of course, of course, I'm going to be here,
0: <laughs> dude, I have plenty. <laughs> anyway, um, Eric, uh, for, for those Byron listeners that do not follow the Neverkusen podcast, um, how did you come about your, your Leverkusen fandom?
1: Um, Yeah, for all the Bayern fans who might not listen to our podcast, meaning all of them, I'm guessing, uh, I I definitely, um, yeah, I'm a Bayer-Leverkusen fan. I have been since 1988. Uh, I kind of came about it, you know, the, the way they say that expression in German, how your team doesn't, you don't pick your team, your team picks you. Uh, I was in Germany in 1988 for my grandmother's 80th birthday. The European championships were taking place at that time. And I was kind of uh, 13 years old following the uh, German international team. And uh, they had a semi-successful uh, European championship, I guess. And... Um, when I got back to the States, I decided I wanted to follow a team in the Bundesliga. In that same year, Bayer Lerikusen had won the Europa-Pokal, or the uh, what was it? I'm sorry, at that time, the UEFA-Pokal. And uh, they had a player on that team, Boom Kun-Chak, South, Korea, South Korea's best player ever, um, who I thought was just absolutely awesome. And... Basically, because of the German national team and Boomkuncha, I became a fan of Bayer Leverkusen and uh, followed them throughout most of the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, once I got into college in the mid-90s, it uh, kind of fell off. But uh, when they had that amazing season in 2001, 2002, and actually ESPN was showing some of their games here in the States, uh, I fell right back into it and have been a fan ever since and had the podcast since 2011 with some. Some really good friends and yeah that's that's I guess my story
0: it's a, it's a fantastic podcast
1: oh thank you very much
0: <laughs> it, it really really is and i think it's it's notable to to see where american fans find their Bodhisattva teams from and there's this sort of maybe a little bit of a disconnect between their childhood And then, when services were available, do you think?
1: Yeah, no question. I mean, for a certain generation, that's 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 definitely the case. Um, You know, uh, Bayer Leverkusen is never going to be, and you know, Bayer Leverkusen is never going to be a team that let's say a German uh, German kids grow up to necessarily like, unless they're immediately in that region. it's one of those teams that uh, has difficulty attracting fans within Germany and might have a better opportunity attracting fans um, outside of Germany, which is actually why we do our podcast in English um, in in order to kind of spread the word a little bit more to the rest of the the world. Um, But, yeah, it's – I mean, it is interesting. Everybody has their own reason for – you know, becoming a fan of the Bundesliga or a specific team in the Bundesliga and you know you find American fans English fans now pulling for um, RB Leipzig which um, you know'm uh, no no uh, I, I'm not <laughs> intending yeah I'm not intending any kind of like uh, insult in that regard but you know that's just the way it works
0: uh, do, uh, do you think I don't know. So, so uh, both of us we come from, or we we follow clubs that are are like big, big, big team clubs in Germany. Um, your feelings on Leipzig? Um, it, okay, so Leverkusen mm-hmm. is excluded from the fifty plus one rule in Germany, but uh, but an upcoming team like. Like Leipzig, uh, what do you feel about the fandom? and before I say that the the football is amazing,
1: yeah. Uh, No question. I I just um, was watching the match against Schalke today, and there was never any question in my mind that uh, um, Leipzig were going to win that match. It is, uh, you know, whatever. They have a feeder team in Salzburg uh, and all the Red Bull teams, um, so they have that advantage. Uh, It's very difficult. I mean, it's very difficult for me to condemn uh, a team like RB Leipzig. Bayer Leverkusen is the original RB Leipzig, and actually the reason the 50-plus-1 rule exists exists, um, to some extent. So, you know, it, it's, it, it's the case that, uh, Bayer Leverkusen fans will argue we've been around since 1904, technically 1907, Uh, so we are one of those Traditionsmannschaften that uh, Germans like to talk about, even though we aren't necessarily acknowledged as that. Um, But uh, it's really the case, this is the direction of football, sports, the world in general. I I really think it's uh, a lot of wasted breath if you try to disparage or somehow, um, you know, make uh, a team like yeah discount a team like Leipzig Um, um, yeah it's too bad that they have uh, a corporate sponsor that gives them a lot of money but you know what that's the uh, Premier League in uh, its entirety and to think that it won't affect the rest of the world uh, Germany has somehow managed to keep a bubble a little bit over the last decade that hasn't quite affected it the way it has the rest of Europe but it's going to it's just a matter of time and it's yeah it's a little bit ridiculous I think to get up in arms about the um corporate sponsorship uh that said i know we're gonna talk about qatar a little bit later so right right <laughs> that, right and we totally will
0: we point. will definitely <laughs> delve into that after after discussing the match but
1: yeah.
0: but yeah is uh, i mean is this is an intra intra convertible fact of where football is going at, at this point
1: yep I mean, you sell players like you know Coutinho, uh, Coutinho just now um, to Barcelona um, in in Neymar. Uh, you're, you're you're talking about almost 200 million um, dollar or euros uh, for players at this point. It's 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 beyond the common man. It's beyond the ideal of you know football belongs to the common person. It's it's too far gone.
0: Is that just the big teams or is that an overall assessment?
1: I mean, to some extent, it's an uh, overall assessment, Um, you know, especially in the Premier League, for example, where you have that TV money that's going to every team that's in uh, the, the top league. You know, even the worst, the worst English team has more money than most of the German teams, the vast majority of the German teams, and those kind of TV deals, etc., are just going to continue proliferating um, throughout Europe. And yeah, I mean, it's 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 going to leave. It'll be interesting. I mean, it's going to leave some teams behind, and um, some teams hopefully will survive, but. Um, yeah, uh, it's, it's happening throughout, and it'll be interesting to see, in my opinion, what happens kind of between the top leagues and then the second divisions, third divisions, and so forth, because uh, I'm not qualified to speak on that, but it'll be interesting to see when the money starts flowing and how that affects the lower leagues.
0: Yeah, uh, and that's kind of interesting, because it seems like, as far as the Premier League goes or La Liga goes, that... Money doesn't mean anything anymore.
1: I mean, if you have, yeah, if you have more money than God, um, it really doesn't mean anything anymore. And when you can, you know, when you can be like Jurgen Club talking about Nabi Keita, who Only three years ago, you know, even if he had been, if he had been this good three years ago or if he had been at this stage in his career three years ago, would have been a 30, 40 million euro player at most. And now is uh, at least twice that. Uh, Right. Yeah, it's.
0: No, it's kind of crazy, right?
1: It's a little crazy, no question.
0: All right, so um, the, disregarding all of that bullshit, um, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to talk about one of the top matches of the Bundesliga in the Rukwanda, and it happened to be the first match, and it was um, Bayern Leverkusen versus Bayern Munich at the Bay Arena. Um, Bayern Munich overturned uh, four years of crappy standings and finally beat Bayer Leverkusen at home uh, 3-1. The goals were in the 32nd minute Martinez with a left-footed shot, no assist, and In the 59th minute, Ribery for his first goal on the season with a high miss pass. Kevin Volan got one back uh, in the 70th minute with a Havertz assist. And James Rodriguez struck one of the prettiest direct free kicks ever, plus 90. Eric, uh, what are your overall feelings about the match?
1: Um, so, the match ended basically, uh, the match ended exactly, actually, I should say, uh, with the same score that uh, the first match of the season ended in, 3-1, to one, uh, the one at the Allianz Arena. Um, I'd have to say that uh, I was much more impressed by the performance in the first game uh, from Bayer Leverkusen than in this one. Um, I think we started out very well, very promisingly. Um, it was a back-and-forth game for about the first 15-20 minutes uh, and seemed pretty kind of even uh, one thing to keep in mind, I guess, is that, um, you know, you guys weren't playing with um, Manuel Neuer, Mats Hummels, uh, Robert Lewandowski, Joshua Kimmich. Uh, these are all uh, superstars, actually, and I'll even give that label to Kimmich because he's played so well over the past year and a half. Uh, so that was, to me, kind of a, hey, here's our chance. Let's try to take it. Um you know, I, it, uh, we were talking about er, a little earlier before the podcast, we were talking about um, something that uh, Bundespiel, um, his name is Abel, right? Yep. Uh, from, yep, yeah. From talking foosball, uh, we were kind of tweeting back and forth about Heiko Herrlich's system. Mm-hmm. He had lined uh, Bayer Leverkusen up in a three-four-three, and he's not afraid to play uh, three in the back and it's not it, it, it hasn't always worked the best and he uh, he finds himself sometimes switching out of that system um partway through the game and uh in this match it it looked like he kind of played the wrong system and um that was something that Abel pointed out and i think uh was was dead on um it, the, this game really screamed for kind of a 433 in my opinion from heiko herrlish um, You know, Bayern Munich. I have to say, Bayern Munich uh, isn't quite the Bayern Munich that it was, say, two years ago. Um, You definitely see that Ribery, Robin, uh, are getting on a little bit. I don't. I don't know that Robin necessarily made any massive impact on the game, other than maybe that uh, header that he uh, that he had in order to set. Uh, hummus free to pass to Ribery for the second goal but um Yeah, there were just too many opportunities for Munich to kind of play these diagonal balls, these long balls into space because of the fact that our back line was only three people. And it was really asking a lot from our wingers. Kimo Bellarabi didn't have his best day and he normally does a very good job tracking back. And on this day, um, he did actually make a very important save on a cross at one point, but otherwise he was a little bit uh, over-challenged in my opinion. And asking those wingers to track back as much as they do kind of blunts the offense in a lot of ways uh and uh, in my opinion we didn't take enough advantage of uh once Rafinha got that yellow card we didn't take enough advantage of um Leon Bailey uh they uh, should have been feeding him the ball and having him attack uh Rafinha just left and right um it, it, You know, uh, Leon Bailey is was voted by Kicker as being the best player of the Hinrunde, and um, putting him up against Rafinha, who I actually value, I think, more than most people do, because I think he is um, gritty in a great way. Thank uh, you. uh, (laughs) Yeah, and uh, yeah, I just I I like the I like the guy, even as even though his haircut is obviously a little bit um, whack. But uh, but we should have taken advantage of that yellow card that he got early on. And, um, yeah, it was, again, another question. I mean, in this case, uh, Bayern Munich, I think, won the match statistically. Shots on goal um, – Pass uh, pass efficiency, etc. Uh, but Bayer Leverkusen had their chances, especially after the two to one, where we had a really good phase before. Yeah, um, uh, Hamas kind of, um, you know, sealed the deal. Yeah, exactly.
0: So, so Abel's uh, specific specific questions, and and they're all very good ones. So, uh, the first one is: Were you surprised by the and I think it's it's mostly geared towards a Bayern perspective, mm-hmm. and and Eric, I know you noted it now uh, with a back three instead of a back four or whatever, but um, with with a four three three with Müller instead of Sandra Wagner playing a part, and and. Uh, to most byron fans, I would say, yeah absolutely that was that was a little bit of a surprise. They could have gone with a they could have gone with a easily four two three one and had Sandro Wagner attacking over the first ninety minutes. however, Muller does utilize space well and and
1: That's his nickname, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: Ram Dota. And, and And was able to create a little bit of chaos in the back three for Hellish's lineup. Uh, what do you think?
1: Yeah, especially early on. Um, I, I agree. He was a little bit all over the place there and not making it easy for Bayer Leverkusen defenders. Uh, I will say I Thomas Miller uh, the one thing I will say about this is uh, Thomas Miller in the Germany shirt is much more appealing to me than uh, Thomas Miller in the Bayern Munich jersey um, because my god that dude when he complains and throws out his arms and that mouth of his like opens up it's just like oh Jesus Christ shut up dude uh, but yeah he, he created a little problem he definitely created a little Trouble uh, early on. He was uh, he was definitely one of the focal points of the first twenty minutes. He was, I think, fairly quiet after that. Um, not not too much involved, at least as as far as I remember. But um, you know, he, he sets the tone sometimes, and uh, it, it was certainly the case that uh, he, he troubled Bayer Leverkusen uh, back line. And yeah, it's you know, it's a back line that is uh, made up of Jonathan Tah. And, And... Uh, Sven Bender and in this case Wendell, there were a lot of gaps like you say, he's the the utilizer of space, the Raumdeuter and and Thomas Muller found those spaces Uh, in in a 343, he's going to find those spaces, he's just, that's what he does and that's what he's very good at so um, I I think I think he definitely took advantage of that for the first, uh, at least first half of the first half
0: Right, and and, and, uh, Abel's next question was the asymmetrical uh, lineup of the back three for Bayer Leverkusen under Ehrlich?
1: Yeah, that's always going to be the case. If you've got the back three comprised of Ta, um, Wendell, and uh, Sven Bender, Wendel has a very. Uh, he, he's just. Uh, the, and this is why I love him, but I think why he's better in a back line of four. He just. He naturally goes forward. And. Um, that that can, that can be, be really really, really effective, effective, especially when he's on the same, same side as Bailey. Um, but but it, can it can also be potentially be disastrous uh, because when he's, he's up there, there, it requires you know the halfback or the sorry the, the midfielder or the uh, um, forward option to kind of fall back a little bit. And sometimes that doesn't happen. And he's and actually I. That, that was, was one of my complaints, complaints about this game was uh, I don't think we took, we took enough advantage, advantage of that left side. side. I said before um, Bailey should have been going at Rafinha for the entire match and you only saw it on a couple of occasions because uh, for some reason we were intent on playing it to the right to um, Kareem Belarabi and he was having a much more difficult time with it in my opinion than um, Wendell and uh, Bailey would have had with uh, with the ball. So you know that that asymmetry is just a natural result, I think, of the players that they have in that position, and that's, I think, part of the reason why you have to play this this back four because um, when Wendell gets the ball and he goes up there. Um, you, you need someone to be able to shift back uh, along that back line to be able to shift in his, into his position. And if you've only got three playing there, then you've left yourself massive gaps, and Bayern Munich were able to exploit that, actually. We're f- fairly fortunate that uh, you didn't score more than one goal in that first half.
0: Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, uh, Bayern, Bayern couldn't exploit... Um, defensive moves in that first half. And I think that had a lot to do with, with, uh, Leverkusen, uh, having maybe a, I don't want to say like a less, uh, no, that's dumb because you still have been laying on back there. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Bayern was really, really uncomfortable, uh, in the first half, and especially in the first twenty-five to thirty minutes, um, they conceded easy balls, and and Brandt and Julian Brandt, who had a horror show of a match, and Havertz, agreed, who, who good, who did really good defensive work, were horrible over the course of the match but they were the keys in in the initial parts of the game that kept Bayer Leverkusen into the match.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I think that's that's actually an excellent point. point. It 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 kind of speaks speaks to something I tweeted um, from our Leverkusen pod account yesterday. yesterday. Um, You know, you you mentioned Havertz and Brandt specifically, and uh, those two are two two very young Bundesliga players. players. And I I think part of the fun of the first 20-25 minutes was the fact that um, we had this very young team, uh, many of whom are not, you know, uh, or have not been part of the Leverkusen tradition of always losing to Bayern Munich. And so they didn't necessarily, um, you know, they didn't necessarily see Bayern Munich as the bogey team or a team that... They, they couldn't, couldn't defeat. defeat. And, 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 and that, that was evident. evident. Uh, there there was, was a kind of, uh, what do you call that, uh, joie de vie, if you will. Um, uh, b- right, you just go first.
0: forward and fuck it, yeah, whatever. Yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and, and and that is probably best embodied by players like Julian Brandt and uh, Kai Havertz and Leon Bailey and so forth. Um, but it, it is the case then, as soon as that first goal, as soon as you guys – Scored that first goal off a uh, set piece. I might uh, add for all the Bayer Leverkusen fans who know how terrible we are at set pieces. Um, yes, those, you're those, horrible. <laughs> that is, uh, yeah, can't argue, <laughs> can't argue. <laughs> but then those, you know, those. The, then you have that um, kind of double-edged sword where those young players who were previously so. Um, hot, uh, you know, about playing Bayern Munich and potentially beating Bayern Munich as soon as Bayern Munich score, it's it's kind of, there's kind of this lull where they're not necessarily hanging their heads, but a little bit, um, a little bit insecure, a little bit like, oh shit, this is, you know, this is the reality of playing Bayern Munich. Uh, Havertz and Brandt didn't have their best games, no question. Uh, Havertz, I won't blame him for it. The kid's 19 years old and uh, he's only... Now in this season, really beginning to experience what Bundesliga life is about. Um, he had he was obviously fantastic for us uh, in the second half of last season, but this is the first season in which uh, there's a little bit of responsibility on his shoulders. And Brandt um, was fantastic in the Hinrunde. I shouldn't even say fantastic, but in some matches was absolutely fantastic in the Hinrunde. And as his as is his want, sometimes he just compl- completely disappears and after the first 20 minutes of this match um, he was just he was a liability um, and and he's always going to be a liability defensively which is again another reason why you have to ask yourself you know is the um back line of 3 really the right thing to do when you have uh, a player like Julian Brandt uh, supposed to come back he he he's he's not he's not aggressive necessarily um, on the first goal uh, that Korn Corner kick, he totally whiffed on a header and I swear to God, jumped in the air maybe three inches. Like you could have slipped a piece of paper underneath him and the ground, and it would have been probably right around there. That's how high he jumped. So, um, yeah, I, I, he's 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 got all the talent in the world, obviously. Brandt does, um, but um, how he chooses to use it sometimes is a little bit questionable. And if Bayern Munich is still really hot on his heels um, this summer, you know, I don't know. I, th- I think uh,
0: I don't know. I think that's a that's a fifty-fifty call. I don't.
1: And that's exactly what Rudy Fuller said too. Um, so we'll see. I mean, he, he did have a good, uh, Hinrunde for the most part and um, had some games where he was the best player and got the goal of, I think, got the goal of December um, in, in, uh, yeah, in the Bundesliga. So uh, he's, he's, he's a special talent, but he reminds me a lot, a a lot of Julian Draxler. Like he, he does, he just doesn't bring it enough. Um, But you know that, you know, there are a few people more talented in the world.
0: So, so uh, carrying on from that, Um, your feelings about Leon Bailey. Uh, I mean, absolutely the star for Leverkusen on the day.
1: Yeah, no question. Um, And I mean, the only reason why um, there was any hope for a, you know, a potential tying goal or, you know, uh, for, for Bayer Leverkusen to come back, he's, it's a little bit Disconcerting and scary to think that it, you know your team's success rests on one player, but I think you saw in this match like he is the best of the team. Like, there is absolutely no question. Um, when we're playing the best team in uh, Germany and one of the best teams in the world, uh, it's Leon Bailey who made the most dangerous you know, attacks um, who looked the most dangerous the entire time. Uh, he made uh, Nicolas Sule look like uh, Jerome Boateng on that messy. Hey, um, <laughs> Sorry, I that's, that's for the biolayer. No, I know. Fans. No worries. <laughs> uh, but I mean, he really turned him inside out. And then, you know, just that, that shot, that um, shot from the right side of the uh, penalty area just went off the post. It was, um, he's, he's brilliant. Uh, I can't, I don't think I can overstate how important he's been um, in the Hinrunde, how important he's going to be. Obviously, uh, you've probably read the headline or, you know, the news newspaper headlines about uh, English teams sniffing around. Um, you know, he's tied down on contract and uh, I hope he stays. I mean, it basically all depends on Bayer Leverkusen qualifying for the Champions League this year, I think. Um, but if they do, then I hope he stays for one more year and then we can say goodbye to him because if he continues this level of play um, he'll be wanted by you know the top three clubs in the world he's uh it's it's difficult to like i said it's difficult to overstate how important he is he's uh potentially faster than kingsley coman um who i thought was maybe the fastest player in the bundesliga Um, but i think bailey maybe has him by just you know like a Usain Bolt step just a little bit, um, and uh, he he's he's not afraid. He's cocky. He's you know, and I mean, how young is this kid? Like it's unreal that he's making this impact. It's unreal that a kid that young is the number one player in the Hindu for Kicker magazine. This very conservative, normally. Um, you know uh, soccer magazine in Germany that uh, it's not easy to get. It's not easy to get uh, big points from them and uh, what he's done in the Hinderlunda and what he's done for Bayer Leverkusen, especially after a unremarkable last half year has been unreal.
0: That's kind of a, how comfortable is he at the club?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, he's you know he, he's he's uh, he played his professional football before by Leverkusen in Gank, and he was pretty eager to get out of there um, because he kind of had outgrown that team. And um, you know, he's in Germany now. He's in Leverkusen, so um, in Nordrhein Westfalen, and uh, it's wintry and kind of snowy there. So for a Jamaican kid, that's not the easiest thing. But uh, one of the one of the advantages that Bayer Leverkusen, I think, has always had is whoever goes there feels pretty welcome. Uh, Bayer Leverkusen has absolutely top facilities, obviously, because of, um, in part, the sponsorship of the pharmaceutical company, but they they are really leaders in um, sport fitness. And so in that regard, athletes, uh, Leon Bailey as an athlete feels very welcome there. Um, I think with, you know, uh, with the diverse Diversity in by our Leverkusen squad, too, which is something I've always admired about them. Um, I think he's very happy there. And I think athlete, you know. Bayer Leverkusen fans have to recognize, I think, footballers who go to Bayer Leverkusen don't go there as the kind of, you know, this is going to be, this is where I end up. It's Bayer Leverkusen is like, this is where I take this step into the big time. And that's kind of uh, as difficult you know, as...
0: That's, that's really difficult to reconcile with. Like, even coming from, I guess, as lofty a point as... Bayern Munich and I don't mean to for that to sound like anything shitty but Bayer Leverkusen is a, <laughs> is a big big club you know and, and uh, it
1: is I yeah, yeah I mean it's it's, it's nice of you, you to saying, say but I think, think any Bayer Leverkusen, Leverkusen fan uh, true fan has, has to recognize what they are, are and they, they, are, are, a club, and they are, are a feeder club and they are one, one of the feeder, feeder clubs and You know, know, it's, 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 but uh, they don't
0: have to be.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, the, that's the the thing. thing. I mean, we tried that in the early 2000s, um, and the, the, the 90s and the early 2000s when the pharmaceutical company gave us an incredible amount of money. Um, but that's really no longer the case. And, um, I'm, I'm perfectly happy with this club developing talent and getting money from it. To develop more talent, um, you know, it, it 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 does mean that you know you might nece- might not necessarily get the uh, trophies, <laughs> and obviously we have got two uh, that were collected uh, over twenty years twenty five years ago. Um, but uh, yeah, but you know, it's the case. It's the case. There is a little bit of in me. There is some pride in knowing that. Like that. You, yeah. have, you, know, you, you have you have players, players like, like uh, Michael Ballack who Ballack comes here and knows. almost takes you know bayern leverkusen to the it champ- uh, takes bayern leverkusen to the champions league final to the day of the pokal final to the last day of the bundesliga loses all of them of course um, but you know then goes to a bayern munich then goes to a chelsea and you know he's going to be one of the greatest players Bayer leverkusen has ever had and there are a number of players with that same story basically and you know that's just who you support uh, it's it's like i i guess uh, if you had to equate it to someone in the Premier League, it's it's kind of like being an Everton supporter. Like you hope for those uh, opportunities to maybe jump, you know, in the that, FA Cup.
0: That that Wayne Wayne Rooney to Manchester United, Everton. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a very good yeah. That's a very good example.
0: And back to Everton. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's exactly. That's exactly what Bollock did. Yeah, he, Even though it looks like Wayne Rooney's working out much better at Everton on his second time around than Bollock did um, at uh, at, at Liverpool. Yeah.
0: So so um, talking about some old football players, so there's a bit of a Frank Ribery conundrum, buoyed by a hat-trick over a third-tier gross Oshawa. In midseason, his inability to be able to take on players leaves Henkes in a difficult situation. Yes, he scored a goal, but what do you make out of it?
1: I mean, like I said, uh, I don't think Robin and Ribery were at all necessarily a challenge for Bayer Leverkusen in this match um, for the first time ever. Uh, I can remember a match about two or three years ago, three years ago, four years ago, something like that, where um, Danny DaCosta made his first start for Bayer Leverkusen at right back, and uh, Frank Rivery turned him inside out and scored a goal that was just like, oh, I feel so bad for this kid. Um, Danny DeCosta was like this 20-year-old kid at the time and was kind of pressed into service, and, and you definitely didn't see that from the two. I mean, um, Robin got subbed out in the second half, if I'm not mistaken. And like I said, I don't think he was yeah, I don't think he was too, uh, he, he, he was fairly ineffectual throughout the uh, most of the match. Um, Ribery, but I mean, it's it's the case with those two. They were, at one point in time, world-class players, so um, they will be able to pull world-class moves out of their ass every now and again. And um, Ribéry's goal, I think, was much more a result of some really good play by um, Hamas. Uh, that pass was uh, obviously perfect, and uh, the I can't remember who it was who played the pass to Hamas, um, but that, that link-up before it got to Ribéry was absolutely great and Jonathan Todd did not do a great job of shutting Ribery down probably gave him a little more respect than um, he should have at that moment in time and you know Ribery took a, a advantage of the fact that Leno was moving to his left and just shot it into the near corner and those guys will be able to do that every now and again but um, yeah I, th- I think I mean I think the end is in sight for both of them right uh, I don't think I'm like Revealing any big secrets or, or no. potentially, yeah, yeah insulting right. anybody here. Um, the, these guys are. These, these guys have uh, done more for their club than um, you know most Bayern Munich players in their lifetimes, and will be heroes, I would imagine, for you guys uh, for you know the rest of your history. So, um, yeah, it's just that time. I mean, Kingsley Coman is so. Uh, God he's so attractive, such, such an attractive player in terms, terms of his speed and his, his ball handling. And, um, and 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 he's yeah, ended up in the right place right now. at least with Heinkus right now, I think, think he's in such a good, good position. position. Um, you, you know, know given, given given the opportunity, yeah, I think he, he could, could he, he could be, be yeah, he, he and Leon Bailey would be, be the two best players in the Bundesliga,
0: yeah, absolutely the quickest to players yes. in the Bundesliga. Yeah. Leon Bailey uh, did, did a fantastic job splitting um, Bayern's defense at points, especially in the first half. Um, <clears throat> but looking at Berndeleno, uh where do you see him uh, for World Cup in Russia?
1: Um, yes. yeah, he, <laughs> he has a terrible, a terrible international, international record, record. and yes. he just, yeah, on the international stage, he's awful. Um, I, I do think there's a good chance uh, that he will be, he will leave, uh, Bayer Leverkusen, um, this summer. Uh, probably, uh, if there's interest in him um, from any team, he's going to leave Bayer Leverkusen uh, this summer. And um, yeah, I didn't. Uh, you know, he he had a decent game yesterday. There was really nothing he could do about any of the uh, goals that Bayern Munich scored. Um, he's, he's an, an incredible shot stopper, shot stopper. Yeah, I thought he did a really good job yesterday, yesterday actually of controlling his area and, and it's something he normally doesn't do very well um, but yeah uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think the international thing might be, um, you know, might be might be uh, out of his reach at this point. But you know, who knows? Um, Neuer, uh, we'll wait to see if he comes back. And I'm not trying to uh, throw a you know wrench in in your works or anything <laughs> like that. But um, I'm not exactly sure how serious that injury to Neuer is, and. Um, He's he's definitely one of the top five goalkeepers in the Bundesliga, but again, you have a league in which um, you have so many good uh, keepers. Everybody's that,
0: especially deep. It's a it's a yeah.
1: tough decision. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, um, any final thoughts on the match? Uh, I want to say uh, just for me. It was, it was me, nice for me personally that Bayern didn't play especially well in the first half and credit are being uh, credits are being credited to players that don't necessarily deserve the credit I'm sorry that's really harsh Um, yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but this is what I do. This is what I do. I talk about Bayern all the time. Um, Frank Ribery being one of them, Arturo Vidal being another. Um, I, it it was a game that Bayern, to me, could have easily lost, but for a few good good counterattacks from from Herrlich's side. It, it, it wasn't necessarily, it wasn't a slam dunk home run. It wasn't any of that. And and there is a lot of credit to that, especially through Leon Bailey and even the shitty play of Julian Bronze <laughs> <laughs> and the habits in the first half, it was effective to do enough to stop the tide of Bayern Munich.
1: Well, I think. Uh, well, two of your goals were scored off of set pieces, and that's been a uh, complete like bogey bear or whatever you right, call right. it. Um, Can for, we for wait? 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 Season.
0: Can we just say how awesome Havertz's free kick was?
1: Yeah, we can we can definitely say all right uh, as if we say that Hamas' free kick was awesome, which it was. Um, he stroked it like literally as though he was like on a Sunday afternoon picnic in the park. Uh, so casual, I was just blown away. But by the same token, the biolavfusion wall jumped, I think a combined total of three inches in the air. It was the shittiest effort I've ever seen a wall um, put into a free kick. Uh, Brent Lena was helpless because, like I said, the wall jumped like a uh, combined three inches. Um, great goal, no question. And the first goal was off a set piece as well a little bit unlucky but it was just poor marking on the fact uh, poor marking on Bayer Leverkusen's part Um, the ball went off of Sven Bender and uh, Javi Martinez was there to uh, poke it in and I think uh, actually of all the players there uh, on Bayern Munich he was probably the one I thought was the best even though he was kind of the quietest and didn't show up very much Um, I thought he had a very solid game against Bayer Leverkusen much more so than Um, Any of the other players Um, That second goal Which was from a uh, Sven Ulreich And props to Sven Ulreich For holding it down For Manuel Neuer uh, I've, I've Got to give him his. Uh, got to give him his credit. Uh, he launched. He basically launched that. It wasn't even a counterattack. He just, you know, it was an attack basically, and it all started by him. Um, so it's, you know, it it was it was Bayer Leverkusen's worst, if you will, um, tendencies uh, to let in those goals. And the goal we scored um, was. It's nice to see Kevin full on score a goal. Um, it was a little. Bit bit against, against the run of plane. Players, it was, um, uh, it yeah, kind of it caught byron, byron on its heels, heels, but again, it was deflected, deflected twice, uh, before, before it went into the, the net. net. Um, we, we had, had our best phase after, after it, that, but, uh, yeah, it wasn't quite uh, enough. Uh, and, um, Yeah, I mean, I think Bayern Munich won um, deservedly, uh, unfortunately. And uh, I don't think this game was as good as, like I said, the first one that we played against you guys. But uh, it's the first game out of the winter break. We've got the next four or five games, should be very much winnable games for us or at least games where we can take points and um, yeah Bayern Munich is in kind of a class by itself right now in the Bundesliga Um, uh, you guys are so far ahead 11 points or 14 points whatever it is I guess 11 now that or no I guess it is 14 13 or 14 Um, you you know you guys are a class above everybody else and uh, yeah I hope you lose to everybody else but (laughs) well
0: Where uh, where do you find yourself? Uh, where do you find by a labor cousin at the end of the Rookrunde? Um,
1: I think probably. I, I mean, I would like to say we could be top four, and there's no there's there's no reason why we couldn't necessarily challenge for it. Um, we will. We will be in the top six, no question. We will at least play EuroLeague. Um, I think uh, if if today's match um, for uh, Red Bull, and that's what I'll call them, if uh, if today's match for Red Bull was any indication, then they're going to be in good shape for the Um I think Dortmund uh, will you'll hear a little bit more from them because of Peter Stöger. Uh So it's going to be, you know, Leverkusen. It's going to be those those guys. And München Gladbach. Um, it's going to be those guys scrapping for the um, top spots. I, I will say we, I think we can. And on our podcast, I said we would finish number eight or ten. Um, but I'm going to reevaluate that and change it to, I think we can finish um, within the top six.
0: Um. Uh, Hi how is Heiko Hellish changing your mind?
1: And changing your uh, yeah, changing your mind is a good way to put it because when we hired him, I mean, Rudy Fuller said he was our third choice. Like he literally said that in an interview, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, anytime you hear that as a fan, you're like, oh great, we got our third choice. Um, but the guy seems to be reaching the team, and he, like I said earlier, he makes the right decisions when it comes to substitutions. I haven't seen uh, since. He Pincus basically basically was at Leverkusen. Leverkusen. I haven't seen a trainer who. Reads the flow of the game and then knows the right moves to make. And in this last game, he waited too long to make the substitutions. And some can argue that um, he he nec- he doesn't necessarily start out with the best starting eleven. But this guy reacts to a game and how it's um, how it's flowing, and that's something that Rogers uh, Schmidt did not do over the last three years. So it's really. Nice to have that, and uh, he, seems he seems to have he seems to have the team in his pocket. pocket. Um, they, they seem to they seem, seem to respond, respond to him. Um, there's, uh, I think the best indication is that uh, you know we've been down at halftime in a couple of matches and come back to tie or win, and he seems yeah he seems to have their ears. So um, I'm I'm all for Heiko Herrlich at this point. Uh, I just wish he would kind of uh, his I wish his starting lineup would be a little more solid a little more secure
0: yeah um, but I think that comes in growth right I mean uh, y'all want you all went under that a bit with uh, Stoga as well
1: uh, with Schmidt, yeah, with Schmidt, yeah, no question. Um, I, I think, yeah, it does, it does. I mean, this is his first year here, and you really can't fault him for anything that um, that he's done. I mean, after the first five games, I think, or after, yeah, after the first five games, I think we had four points or something like that. It was a terrible record, and at that point, I was like basically cussing him out on the on our podcast. <laughs> um, but uh, ever since then, I mean, up until. I mean, up until the this loss we went 12, 12 matches, matches unbeaten and that's uh, that's, that's that's impressive, impressive. so um, uh, yeah, yeah it, it, just it just takes time to get used to a new trainer takes a new trainer, trainer time to get used to his, his team. team and I, I think, think he's, he's I, I think he recognizes the strengths of the, of the team. team and um, Bayer Leverkusen is a talented team, team. They, they have a lot of depth so he has, has a lot of options, options. So and uh, that's, that's definitely a nice thing to have as a coach but it means you have to play managerially so to speak uh you have to play your cards right and for the most part i think he's done that uh with his rotations and so forth he's managed to keep everybody happy and he's managed to field a very strong team each time so um yeah i'm hopeful
0: cool cool So, so let's get into a little bit before we close out on the political side of things so um me as a Bayern Munich supporter uh for my whole life, I am I'm really, really against uh the sponsorship of Hamad International Airport and and winter training in Qatar because to me it is a, a full sale uh, It's just everything against human rights as basic rights as we know it. And I know, Eric, that you feel the same, and uh, you can comment on it as much as you wish.
1: Thanks, because, because I always hold back, back on Twitter uh, because I'm, I'm 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 actually not in the place to like criticize or anything in this regard. But yeah, I mean, it is it's it's you know it is terrible that um, we were talking earlier about the fifty plus one rule and the way football is going and the fact that um, sponsorships mean everything nowadays and uh, whatnot. And yeah, then you get these shady sponsorships. I mean, you get you know, you know, you know Schalke and. Gas prom. Um, Right. But
0: especially with Bayern Munich, they don't need the money.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean nobody, nobody needs the, the money, money until it's available and, and then you're <laughs> right. like yeah I'll take that <laughs> no it's I mean it's it's true um, and 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 you can argue it it, it hurts the legacy what have you um, I'm in the uh, as I told you before the pot I am in the last position to cast judgment on um, a, a club that um, you know goes to train in a uh, a a nation that doesn't uh, necessarily honor human rights. I mean, I support um, basically big pharma, uh, and Bayer um, bought Monsanto uh, not too long ago. So, like, it's like the absolute worst of the worst uh, coming together. Um, but, you know, I mean, it, that's just the reality, I guess, of this of, of this of, of being a football fan uh, In this day and age It's kind of as you say on your pinned tweet there Like you can love your club and hate their business um, I guess it all Just kind of depends on what you do about it And um, You know So what do, you we, love- what do we do about it? Um yeah, <laughs> that is. That's, uh, the question is a straightforward one. And um, unfortunately, it's being asked to a very lazy individual. No, who no. A... <laughs> I mean, not
0: you specifically. I mean, just in general, because I know as far as like Shikaria and and all of the all of the big, big clubs in Bayern Munich, or that support Bayern Munich are totally against what's going on, but this is something this that is happening that will not change. And even being given a vote, there are yeah, still I mean, not I mean, enough votes you- to change. So so you know, you you kind of And I'm not knocking. I'm not knocking Leverkusen fans and 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 Monsanto or anything else, because I I have no right to. This is this is something. Oh shit. I dropped my mic. It wasn't a mic drop.
1: (laughs) She's out, ladies and gentlemen.
0: (laughs) Bam! I'm done. No. Um, This is something that is happening. And there is really, really little recourse officially for fans um, to take to clubs.
1: I mean, the the recourse is very obviously don't go to games. Um, that that sends the message, but that's never going to happen. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean that's that's where we are in the twenty first century. Um, but you I and mean, I are both
0: Bayern fans are already fighting uh, extravagant uh, Champions League prices.
1: Yeah. And uh it's difficult to smuggle uh one and a half kilograms of weed anywhere at Dude, this point. By too. the way,
0: <laughs> I love it.
1: Me too.
0: whoever got whoever got one point five kilograms of, of weed in the chicory
1: <laughs> That's um, the best
0: thing ever. And and weed should not be prosecuted at all. <laughs>
1: Definitely, or if it is, just give it to me. I'll take care of it. Um,
0: <laughs> Honey, where do you want? Where do you want that here? All right, I'll take that right here. <laughs> but 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 um, uh, how how do we express as fans the unsuitability of what? our teams are doing is big market. How do we express yeah. that?
1: I, like, like I said, the, the only way you can is really to stay away from, from the matches, matches and that's not going to happen. Um, it, it, it doesn't. Uh, otherwise the club won't respond. There really is no other way in my opinion. Um, but that is, you know, that's, that's not going to happen. Like I said, um, there's a lot of money to be made out there. Um, there's a lot that clubs don't have to answer to anymore. Um, and yeah, it's, that's just football in the 21st century. I mean, I hate to sound as though, um, I'm giving it an easy pass and in that regard kind of making it easy for myself, um, to say, you know, I don't need to do anything because it doesn't matter. But, um, yeah it's 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 all the it's all the sponsorships it's not like just it, like it happens in Germany like i said it's Gazprom um with Schalke in Germany it's Gazprom with uh in Russia in the russian leagues it's in the gets in Spain um, with uh, Qatar and whatnot. Um, yeah, it, it's just the case. We, a lot of money uh, from countries that don't necessarily value human rights. And uh, at this point in the game, Susie, I think you and I both have to question whether our country belongs to that um, potentially. Uh, yeah, it, it's just the way it's going to be.
0: But I mean, especially uh, so I'm not trying to hammer a point, but I am some kind of <laughs> trying to hammer a point. So so a corporation like Bayer right that right. takes over Monsanto and a and a club like Bayern Munich that that takes over the Qatari sponsorship. There there has to be a way back. There has to be, uh, you, Eric. You love your club, right? Yeah, I like them very much. Love. You grow up.
1: Love love is probably the the right right word. Yes.
0: (laughs) Born, die, by the love. The same with me for Bayern, right? So, I grew up with my club, and I am. Born and I will die by Bayern Munich, but but to look at uh, to look at these travesties of bi- uh, and it's big business. Even though football is a big business, it and maybe this is just a singular. German thing, right? Where where German fans have had control over their teams for so long, but it's really, really hard to reconcile outsiders that disregard human rights having any involvement in your club.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's true. Yeah, Yeah, you 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 don't don't want to be, be, you know, stained stained with with that association, no question. Um, But uh, yeah, it's sports, it's It's big business, it's the largest sport sport in the world, and and it's it's only getting bigger. bigger. And when when you you have um, associations like like FIFA and and UEFA who are, Incredibly corrupt, incredibly corrupt to begin with, with. it's it's you yeah, know kind of the trickle-down theory a, so to speak. it's a
0: losing battle
1: yeah yeah
0: oh, that's so gross
1: God. it is
0: I hope it's not that way I mean I hope this is whatever this is and then well,
1: well I think um, so to some extent you know, know uh, people, people in Europe like, um, fans of football like in Europe, Europe um, are yeah. you know uh, are Respective friends, if you will, like a Terry DeFelon in England, um, a, uh, you know, someone like um, someone in Germany. They have the lower leagues to look to, and that is proper football that is real football that probably won't be stained by the um, taint of money, if you will, from some of these corporations or countries that uh, we wouldn't agree with. They have that option, which is great. Um, And I'm I'm glad for them.
0: I think that option is going away.
1: It's probably, you know, it, 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 and that's probably a podcast in and of itself, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, uh, it, I, I don't know that it's going away necessarily. I think. As as you point out, as more and more of these conglomerates become a part of uh, football, there's going to be more and more people diehards who are just like, all right, you know what? I'm removing myself from the um, top divisions, and I'm just going to support my local team, or I'm just going to, uh, you know, play around in these divisions. Yeah. Uh, at least I'm hopeful in that regard.
0: Yeah, I don't know what it what it builds up to, but oh. Uh, uh, I hope it builds up to something positive, um, Eric. I just want to say before I get out, um, Eric uh, works with artworks in the Los Angeles area, and
1: <laughs> you can say it. You can say it. You nope, can tell nope. him where I work. <laughs> and I was
0: very, very concerned over the wildfires whether whether uh, premium. Arts works of art in Los Angeles were being preserved, and uh, Eric was on. <laughs> <laughs> he was on a a little bit of a vacation at the time, and <laughs>
1: <laughs> stag do.
0: He was on a stag do. Yeah, I yeah. didn't want to say that. <laughs> and I was. I was. <laughs> Although I love Eric very, very much, I was really, really concerned about the artworks preserved at his museums that he worked with while he was on his stag do in Singapore.
1: Yeah, Thailand and Singapore. (laughs) Yeah. So we had, yeah, we had these, obviously, um, uh, if people have been watching the news we've had, uh, we had these, um, because I think it made international news too. Uh, we had these wildfires in Los Angeles, uh, at the beginning of December that were just nuts. Um, the one of them, uh, was the largest wildfire that California has ever had and uh, the one nearest to the museum where I work um, was a massive one and there was actually at no point in time the museum has uh, has been designed to uh, um, deal with wildfires in the region uh, which gives you an idea of how uh, kind of uh, the forethought of the architects who planned this museum um, but yeah it was crazy I was in uh, I was in Singapore at the time when the fires took place and I'm watching CNN International uh, in my hotel room and I'm seeing all these fires burning literally right next to my museum thinking, you know, when I come back, I may not have a job (laughs) because there's going to be nothing of my place of business. Uh, But uh, fortunately, Los Angeles was able to, um, you know, uh, put out the fires, first rescuers and whatnot, uh, firemen, et cetera, first responders, Uh, were absolutely absolutely excellent. but uh, yeah, the problem there is that we had, fi- normally we have fires in the summer. This time it was in the winter. And um, shortly after the fires at the beginning of this month, we had rains. And those fires obviously burn all of the vegetation on the hillsides, meaning that the root systems that hold back the mud from just basically flowing down the hillside um, were burnt up. So as soon as it rained, um, we had massive mudslides. And I think um, people are probably seeing in the news now that some 40 people have died from the mudslides. And uh, yeah, it's it's climate change. It's garbage politics on the U.S.'s part right now. And um, yeah, but uh, at any rate, the art is safe. And um, Susie, anytime you want to come out here for a tour of the museum, I'm listen.
0: I've been to tours of both and i'm not uh giving away where eric works but i've been to to tours of both and i love them both passionately
1: nice nice (laughs) glad to hear it glad to hear
0: (laughs) oh anyway uh getting away from natural disaster is there anything positive we can end up on the podcast with
1: Yeah, I think um, acknowledging the fact that it was nice to see Philip Lom out on the field yesterday again um, was very cool. (laughs) Yeah, little, little tip mouse. (laughs) It might not have been a tip mouse, but I just like that word. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, I think that was the uh, that was the highlight of the match for me (laughs) was uh, the cameraman finding that mouse shortly. I think it was shortly after uh, Martinez's goal, actually. (laughs) It
0: was. <laughs> right after, but but uh, despite the three one loss, there are positives to go forward for for Bayer, Bayer Leverkusen and, and Heiko Ehrlich's team. Um, I think I think it. It, it might have been closer, and Eric, you might agree with me, had it been a different setup for, for Leverkusen on the day.
1: Yeah, agreed. Um, you know, uh, Heiko Herrlich himself said after the match, "We have nothing to hang our heads about. We shouldn't be ashamed." Um, I think he knows he didn't call the right game plan um, for this match. Uh, I think, I think internally, at any rate, he's acknowledged that. Um, um, because I, I don't necessarily think that on this day, especially with the guys you were missing, I don't think on this day that Leverkusen was necessarily lower in quality um, than Bayern Munich, um, as has been the case in the past. Um you know, and and that has a lot to do with the fact that some of like Robin and Ribery are falling off a little bit, and that we have players like um, Bailey and uh, Jonathan Ta, for example. Um, but uh, yeah, it was just yeah, you know, it's it's Bayern Munich. Yeah, you're you're going to have a hard time beating them anytime. and they have the experience, they have the strength, and they have the uh, Bayern Düssel, uh which they didn't necessarily need in this match. Um, but uh, yeah. All right. I, I'm 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 positive for uh, I'm optimistic I should say for the future.
0: Cool. Uh, before we let you go, Eric Bruhl, uh, where can we find you online?
1: Uh, so I'm on Twitter at Schnicks, uh, schnix s c h uh, n i x b04 so schnicks b04 uh and yeah part of the naverkusen uh podcast uh which you can find on twitter as well at naverkusen pod and yeah that's basically the best way to get in touch with me
0: awesome and if you don't know <laughs> i am at the susie shop t-h-e-s-u-s-i-e s-c-h AAF. I try and write a little bit, but I'm not right now. I'm just doing the podcast here from Mia San Rhodes. And with that, we're going to conclude episode 15. Thank you, Eric Brühl, very much for being with us today.
1: Uh, Absolute pleasure. I always love talking to you, Susie.
0: Awesome. Love you right back. Sweet. wer ja, die hab von dir